Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's up, everyone? I'm your host, Karen T, and welcome back to another episode of Cookies and Crime. So I just came back from vacation. I went to Hawaii with my boyfriend's family. I went there as a girlfriend and I left as a fiance. So for those of you who don't know, I've been with my boyfriend fiance for about like five and a half years. So it's been a few days now and honestly, it's still so weird to me saying that I'm engaged and I'm a fiance. I am sadly one of those adults that still thinks that they're a child. I feel young, you know, I know I'm an adult, I do adult things, I pay bills, sure. Marriage just felt so adult, you know, and to say that like, oh, I have a fiance or I have a husband was just so scary to me. But in reality, it's not that big of a difference because we have already been living together for a few years now. Our lives are intertwined. It shouldn't make that big of a difference. But to me, in my head, that label was just... It was a lot. The proposal was amazing and hilarious at the same time. Without getting into too many of the details because I don't wanna talk about this forever, basically we were on a cliffside in Maui. His family was there, a family friend was there who's a local Hawaiian. And I sat down on the cliff and the family friend starts playing on his ukulele and starts singing over the rainbow. And I just thought, oh, this guy just casually pulls out his ukulele and sings. I don't question a lot of things. So to me, it was natural. So I asked Patrick to go grab my phone because it's such a beautiful moment. I want to capture it. And he's like, no, you don't need it right now. And I was like, okay, well then can I use your phone? And he's like, just, just sit and enjoy the view. And that's when I got suspicious and nauseous because it's such a big moment. <laughs> that every time I play in my head happening, I just get super nauseous. I get nervous that way. And I straight up tell him, if you propose to me right now, I will throw up. Plus like my stomach was hurting. I really had to go to the bathroom, but it was the perfect moment for him to propose. And I was still surprised when he did. I screamed and it was really beautiful at the end of the day. Ua gave us a Hawaiian blessing, which was magical. And now I'm a fiance. So that's my personal update. Let's get into some darker things. So for this cookies and crime episode, I am going to be eating an oatmeal raisin cookie. So this cookie is from Bang Cookies. They are a subscription service cookie company and they're not sponsoring this. They actually sent me a box a few months ago and I couldn't finish them all, so I put some of them in the freezer. So this cookie is a few months old, 
but it's been in the freezer. It's wrapped and so it should be okay, but I guess we'll see. I'm going to pop it in the microwave for a little bit and I will be right back. Okay, so I just microwaved it and I microwaved it for about 20 seconds first and then 30 seconds since it's been frozen for a while. First of all, the smell is so amazing. I'm not the biggest fan of oatmeal raisin cookies, but this is smelling like Cinnabon right now. And let me tell you, I F with some Cinnabon, okay? This is honestly a beautiful cookie. I mean, it's pretty thick and tall. And there's something on the inside. I'm sure it was on the wrapper, but I didn't read it and it's already in the kitchen. It smells amazing. And I'm actually really excited to try this. I'm gonna cut this cookie like a pie so I can get a little bit of the middle and a little bit of the side. Okay, let's just bite into it. Okay. For a cookie that's been in the freezer for like half a year, there's no like freezer burn on it. And by the way, this is a already baked cookie. You only have to put it in the microwave. So it comes to you already baked. This is probably the best oatmeal raisin cookie I've ever had. And I think it's because I'm not really getting that raisin texture and that raisin texture is what throws me off. And it's probably because this is a warmed up cookie. It's like they got Cinnabon into a cookie, but with no cream cheese. I'm very pleasantly surprised and I'm not even lying. So again, this is an oatmeal raisin cookie from Bang Cookies. I will also have them in the description. And with that, let's get into this episode's case, which is the Chris Watts case. This one happened pretty recently and I'm already forgetting what year it is. I think it's like 2018 or 2019. Netflix did a documentary about it. I think it's called The Family Next Door. And that's a good way of putting it. They're a family that is seemingly happy. They have a beautiful home in the suburbs but not everything is as it seems, and we'll just get right into it. It's time for Cookies and Crime. This is the case of Chris Watts. Nicole Kessinger met Chris Watts at work at Andarco Petroleum, Kessinger being a geologist and Watts an oil field operator. When they first spoke, she noticed he didn't have a ring. They hit it off and she described him as being soft-spoken and a good listener. Watts informed her that he had two young kids and was in the process of filing for a divorce. He seemed like a very gentle guy. In June 2018, they met up again and Kessinger asked him if the divorce was finalized. Watts said it was close but not yet. They still had to figure out the financial details. But in July, they began a physical relationship and met up with each other four to five times a week. They were obsessed with each other and entered an intense relationship. Then one day, Kessinger receives a concerning text from Watts saying that his family was gone. According to Watts, his wife and two kids went to a playdate and never returned. Soon after, she noticed the media was swarming his home. Then he was on the news. That's when she discovered not only was his family missing, Chris Watts was still married and his wife was expecting another baby. At 1.48 a.m. on August 13, 2018, Shanann Watts returned home from a business trip driven by her friend Nicole Atkinson. This is, of course, a different Nicole. Both of their names are just Nicole. Chris Watts had been home with their daughters that weekend. Later that day, Atkinson became worried when Shanann missed a gynecology appointment and didn't respond to her messages. She went to the Watts house around noon, but found no one there. Atkinson then called the police. An officer was sent to the house to conduct a welfare check. 
The officer arrived and spoke to the neighbors for a little and walked the perimeter of the home to see if anyone was home, but no one was. Chris finally came home and allowed him and the neighbors to search the house. They found the family dog unharmed, but there was no sign of Shanann or the girls. Nicole found Shanann's purse with her keys and medication. She was pretty sick, having had lupus and an autoimmune disease. Her phone was found between the couch cushions and it was turned off. When Chris turned it on, a barrage of messages started coming in, including messages from Chris himself asking where she was. Her car with the girls' car seats was in the garage and her wedding ring was on the bedside table. Another neighbor, maybe Nicole's partner, I'm not quite sure, was also there. He, the police officer, and Watts watched camera footage from the neighbor's driveway, which shows just a sliver of the Watts driveway at the top. Watts is seen leaving for work around 5 to 5.30 a.m. The footage ends without them seeing much, but the neighbor said that Watts' morning routine that day was different. This time around, he had backed his truck into the garage to load items, which all of this is completely out of sight. Watts said he was loading items for work, and it was easier to back the truck in and load it from the garage. Then, Watts stepped out for a second, and the neighbor and officer were alone. The neighbor informed the police officer that Watts was typically a quiet guy, but now is blabbering his mouth a lot more than usual. He also said he wasn't acting right and he didn't even look worried that his family had disappeared. And the officer at the time kind of blows it off saying, well, he's in a very weird position right now. Maybe he's just acting weird because he's worried, but we all know the truth. The next day, the FBI and the Colorado Bureau of Investigation joined the case. Chris claimed he had no idea where his family could be and said he hadn't seen Shanann since he left for work the previous day. He gave interviews to news stations pleading for their return while investigators with search dogs were present on the property. But what's odd to me about his news station interviews, and I'm sure to a lot of people, is that he doesn't look very concerned or worried. He hasn't cried, he doesn't look distraught, he's almost kind of smiling even. But let's backtrack to the start of it all. After I have this bite of this oatmeal cookie. <laughs> wow, you can just call me Grandma Karen right now because this oatmeal raisin cookie is hitting so hard. Christopher Lee Watts and Shanann Catherine Watts were from North Carolina. Chris from Spring Lake and Shanann from Aberdeen. Shanann didn't come from money and worked her butt off and was able to build a house with her own money by the age of 25. Before meeting Watts, she was in a toxic marriage that took away her confidence. She also was getting really sick and was diagnosed with lupus. Chris and Shanann met on Facebook. According to Shanann, she did a lot to try and push Watts away, but he stuck around and even went to doctor's appointments with her while she was really sick. They met in 2010 and were married on November 3rd, 2012, according to online records. And apparently, Watts' parents didn't approve of Shanann and didn't come to their wedding. The couple had two daughters, Bella Marie Watts, four, and Celeste Catherine Watts, nicknamed Cece, who was three at the time they disappeared. Shanann was also 15 weeks pregnant with a son who was to be named Nico. Chris was employed by Endarco Petroleum, while Shanann worked from home selling a product called Thrive for the multi-level marketing company Level. 
So Girlie was a pyramid scheme girl and I think that's also why she had so many videos about her career and family online because pyramid scheme girls have a community online and I feel like they have to be very active. Shanann shared a lot about her life on Facebook. She shared videos of her admiring her husband, saying that he was a blessing in her life. From these videos, it looks like they are the perfect American family. She had a loving husband that cared for the kids. And in one of these videos that she posted, she was surprising Chris with her positive pregnancy test for their third child. And to be honest, his face was kind of weird. He did not seem really excited, but he still tried to act like he was excited, but it was still a very mellow reaction. And he asked a really weird question. I think the pregnancy test was pink. And he asked, oh, so does pink mean that it's going to be a girl? Which to me, seeing this now, knowing what he did, I analyze that as he doesn't really know what to say because he's not really happy and so he's just like asking filler questions and it's a weird question. The Watts family lived in a five-bedroom home at 2825 Saratoga Trail in Frederick, Colorado, which they purchased in 2013. If it's Frederick instead of Frederick, I'm sorry. The family declared bankruptcy in 2015. So there's not much more information on them declaring bankruptcy, but I feel like this event probably put a lot of stress on Watts too. So this is a common occurrence when it comes to familial annihilation or familicide, which is the murder of family members, where men feel the pressure to provide and when they can't, they try to end their family's suffering by killing them. And in this case, it's not the direct reason for Watts murdering his family, but I do wonder if this affected him mentally and caused thoughts like, I wish I didn't have a family to provide for because I don't want to feel like I failed. Or it would be so much easier if I didn't have all these mouths to feed. And it just really snowballs from there. So we're back to Watts pleading on the news to have his wife and kids returned home safely. A statewide search was immediately launched with friends and family desperately looking for answers. After witnessing an emotionless news interview, investigators brought Watts in for questioning. Watts stood on the ground that he had no idea where his family was and that he had nothing to do with it. But as the interviews went along, red flags began to pop up. An investigator showed Watts a picture of his family and he talked about them in the past tense. Like his daughter Cece loved a pair of shoes or she was a girly girl. And if he was truly hopeful that they were still alive and out there somewhere, why did he talk about them as if they were already gone? And that's such a small detail that I don't think he realized what he was doing and how much that gave away. Watts then agreed to take a polygraph test. And it's kind of funny because Agent Lee, who conducted the polygraph test, told him it would be really stupid if he agreed to take the polygraph test and lied or had something to do with their disappearance. And he said, yeah, that would be stupid. So he agreed that he was stupid enough to take it. I mean, I'm sure polygraph tests aren't always accurate, but if you're lying and you're not a psychopath who can get away with lying because things aren't firing up in your brain, you're gonna get caught. He just really wanted to come off as if he were innocent, but by this point, he just cornered himself. After a few questions on the polygraph test, Agent Lee makes a comment to him because he's super nervous and it's showing up that he's lying. And of course, he seems so suspicious because he's so nervous. She also tells him that before the test, 
One person will know if he's being truthful or not. And by the end of it, both of them will know. So how do you think he performed? This guy who's been super wishy-washy and emotionless. Yeah, he failed miserably. Agent Lee sat him down in a room with another investigator and let him know that he failed and should just tell the truth by this point. This is when things start to unravel. Watts claimed that he didn't lie, but then he admits that he's been having an affair with Nicole Kessinger. So again, in July, they began their physical relationship and met up with each other four to five times a week. And this is just basically one month before their disappearance. So this relationship is also relatively new. So during this time that they were seeing each other four to five times a week, Shanann and the kids had flown to North Carolina to visit family for six weeks. Watts would join them later. I feel like Watts thought he had hit the jackpot with this family visit. His wife and kids would be gone for a while and he could pretend like they didn't exist. It absolutely made it easier for him to sneak around, but Shanann still noticed things were off. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Watts had been acting different for some time. Shanann and the kids had been in North Carolina for a few days, and he hadn't been texting Shanann at all. Texts between Shanann and a friend showed that she was upset that he was being distant. He hasn't been touching her as much and wouldn't text her. She even wondered if there was someone else. She confronted Watts through text and with every text he would apologize and act sweet. She told him it's been days without text and it's like he doesn't even miss them, which he would reply with, I miss you guys so much. I think it's interesting because he's not really gaslighting her. He's not saying like, oh, you're crazy. You're just making things up. He's still being this soft man who's apologizing and trying to reassure her that everything between them is great and fine. So yeah, he's not calling her crazy or anything like that, which tells me he's a chronic liar who is living two different lives. And the thing for me is with this affair is that they met through work and they had been dating for like less than two months and he's already head over heels for Nicole. Now being someone who used to work in an office space and has seen people date each other within the office, I can tell you that 90% of the time it goes up in flames. It rarely, rarely ever works and rarely does the man leave his wife or his partner for this new person at work. I mean, you can still say the same thing about Watts because technically he didn't leave his wife. While on this trip to North Carolina, an incident happens where Watts' parents take the kids to get ice cream 
and Cece was given ice cream with nuts on it, despite her having a severe nut allergy. This caused an even bigger rift between Shanann and Watts' parents, to the point where she calls them evil, and Watts' parents block her from Facebook. Shanann also believed that Watts' silence may have been from this argument they had. But after some time, they were able to work it out a bit, and Watts finally arrived in North Carolina. But even when he arrives, he doesn't give her a kiss, which he usually does, and Shanann just wants to cry. Another night, she wants to get it on with her husband, and so she jumps in the shower, and typically when she does that at night, it means she wants to have sex. But again, he turns her down. After weeks of being apart, he turns her down, and it again breaks her heart, and now she's really wondering if there's another woman. She texts her friend he must be getting it from someone else. And again, he continued to reassure her that there was no one else. But we know the truth now. He was in an intense, physical, all-encompassing relationship with Nicole. They had even went away for the weekend and did a trip together. It was new, it was hot, exciting, something that he had been missing his whole life. This was the life he wanted, and the life he had was getting in the way. And here's the thing that I've learned about relationships. Relationships are typically like 80-20. Your relationship will provide 80% of the things that you need and that you want. And the other 20% you may have to get elsewhere, like you get from your friends or your family. And typically when someone meets someone that kind of fills that 20% that's missing, it feels like the 100%. And so they'll leave their partner realizing that this other person is only fulfilling 20% of what they need and then they'll realize that they messed up. I'm not saying that's exactly what's happening here because it does seem like Watts is kind of just wanting out of this relationship, which is really sad because they have two kids and they have one on the way. But I have a feeling if he didn't do what he did to his family, that the relationship with Nicole would have just like crashed and burned anyway. Just my two cents. So this brings us back to the investigation. After receiving the text from Watts about his family missing, Nicole texted him, what did you do? And her final text was, if you did anything bad, you're going to ruin your life and you're going to ruin my life. I promise you that. Then Kessinger gets interviewed by investigators and it proves that she was blindsided like everyone else. So Watts is a massive liar and he's wanting to appear to everyone like this great family guy. Not one other soul knows what he's really thinking, so he's like a ticking time bomb. This web of lies he's creating is going to be taken down at some point. I've known someone like this who is such a good liar and it's honestly scary. Like how easy it is to lie about anything and everything and appear to be this well-rounded person. Like I would ask this person if they heard about this band and they lied about actually hearing about this band. Like why do you even feel like you have to lie about that? They are just so focused on appearing a certain way to people and appeasing everyone around them. I feel like these type of people have to be festering on the inside because they have these desires but they can't have it unless they lie or do something drastic to get it and they don't want to do that because they're kind of cowardly. So having this information now, the investigators know Watts has a motive. He starts to crack at this point in the interviews but is still trying to hold his stance of being innocent. Before he fully breaks down, Watts asks to talk to his father. 
The investigators step out as his father, Ronnie Watts, steps in. After some talking, Watts finally says that Shanann had smothered the kids, and in a fit of rage, Watts smothered Shanann. His father is kind of buying this, but no one else is buying this because the story he's providing now just doesn't add up. He really doesn't want people to know that he's a monster, and he says it himself, he's not a monster. He's trying to protect this image of, I'm just a normal good guy, for as long as he can, and I think he believes it too. But the truth eventually comes out. After Shanann returned from her business trip, she takes a shower and initiates sex with Watts, and they do it. After that, they got into an argument when Watts brings up divorce and that he didn't love her anymore. Shanann was obviously heartbroken. They have two daughters together, with another child literally in her belly at that moment, and he breaks this news to her. She's upset, and she tells him that he'll never see the kids again. That's when Watts snaps and strangles Shanann to death. According to him, in this moment, he felt weird and something came over him and what he did felt like it was out of his control. A few minutes later, as he's trying to clean up the scene, little Bella walks into the room and sees that something's wrong. She asks Watts, what's wrong with mommy? And he tells her mommy isn't feeling well. Watts then takes Shanann's body and loads it into the back of his truck and the girls go in the back seat. Then he drives them to his work site about one hour away where two oil tanks stood. The girls sat in the car for an hour with their dead mother in the back. Bella even says, Daddy, it smells. I feel so bad for these girls because they know something is wrong, something is off. And because this was all happening in the middle of the night, Bella wasn't supposed to be awake at that time, but something obviously woke her up and she went to her parents' room, holding a blankie in her hand. Once Watts arrived at his worksite, he took Shanann's body out of the car. Then he returned to the car to kill Cece. He smothered her with a New York Yankees blanket while choking her neck and then tossed her body in an oil tank. Bella sat silently and watched as her father killed her little sister. When he returned from dumping Cece, Bella asked quietly, is the same thing gonna happen to me as Cece? Watts said he wasn't sure if he told her yes or not at the time. She put up a fight while he began to smother her in the same manner as her sister. And before she died, she screamed out, Daddy, no. He dumped her body in the oil tanks too, and he buried Shanann in a shallow grave. Watts told investigators where the bodies were located. Then he was taken in shortly after, thus ending the investigation. He was charged with three first-degree murders, two murders of a child 12 years or younger, unlawful termination of a pregnancy, and tampering with a deceased human body. He's serving five life sentences without the possibility of parole, plus 84 years. In multiple letters to a pen pal while in prison, Watts explained that he had planned the murder for several weeks and that the Oxycontin found in Shanann's system was given to her by him, hoping to end her pregnancy because he believed that would make it easier for him to be with his girlfriend. He also offered new details about the murders of his daughters, which was he tried to smother them in their beds at home, but failed. And apparently this pen pal was a married grandmother of 12 who was drawn to him by his boyish demeanor and still continued writing to him even after he admitted to daydreaming about killing his wife. He also wrote to her that Shanann would be yelling at him or be upset about something and he wouldn't fight back, but he would just stand there and just daydream about what it would be like to kill her. He was absolutely just festering on the inside and never showing how he truly felt. 
which you know what would have been better for him rather than just bottling it all up and doing what he did. So all of this was premeditated. He had been thinking for weeks that he wanted to murder his whole family. I don't feel like he had it to the dot when and how he was going to do it. I feel like at that moment when he basically told Shanann that he wanted a divorce and didn't love her anymore, and she said, you're never gonna see the kids again, I felt like he felt like that was the moment he was going to do it. And I find this case really interesting because Watts doesn't have any record. He doesn't have any criminal record, ever. He was really just that guy next door who had this dark secret and this dark plan. And personally, I feel like he was capable of doing this because of his personality mixed in with his life and his life decisions. So his personality is this quiet guy who just wants to please everyone and he's not outspoken. And according to Shanann, she wore the pants in the relationship and basically was the one that was in control and made all the plans and took care of everything. So he really was this like beta type guy. And because he was more concerned about presenting himself in a certain way, no one really knew who he was. And I think along the way in his relationship and having kids, like a lot of guys do, they don't feel it anymore and they want to leave. And I feel like Watts couldn't emotionally handle what it would take to go through a divorce with a pregnant wife and with two kids. I feel like that to him was a bigger burden in his head than ending all their lives, which is crazy. And also the fact that at that moment in his affair, he was so infatuated with Nicole and he's probably having all of these ideas of what life would be like with Nicole if he didn't already have this family. And those thoughts and infatuation were so powerful that he was going to do anything to try and get that. But he would have never had that because he also lied to Nicole from the get-go. So he's not the smartest man and he really set himself up for all of this. So today, Chris Watts is in the Dodge Correctional Institution in Wapin, Wisconsin, which is a maximum security location. He was moved to this location from a prior location in Colorado because his case became so popular in the area it put him in danger. He also told investigators he keeps pictures of Shanann, Bella, and Celeste in his prison cell and talks to them every night. Which is funny because he could have been talking to them every night if he hadn't killed them. I still feel like even though we know what happened and he's in prison, he's still trying to make face like he's this good guy that just had something come over him. Like give it up bro, you're in prison for life, just show your true colors. Well, this next information kind of shows more of his true colors. Apparently, Watts exchanges a lot of sexually charged letters with several women. They send him sexy pictures and a lot of women think he's handsome and just misunderstood. And because he has nothing else to do in prison and he's under protective custody because he's not very popular in prison, this is a way for him to feed his ego and have some type of social life. So I guess he talks to women all day and then afterwards goes and talks to the photos of his family that he murdered. Yeah, that makes sense. And that is the case of Chris Watts. And with that, let's do some cookies and crime trivia. So let's start with the oatmeal raisin cookie. 
The first recorded oatmeal cookie recipe was published in the United States by Fanny Merritt Farmer in her 1896 cookbook. But Farmer's original recipe did not contain raisins. What food brand had an oatmeal raisin cookie recipe on their packaging that made oatmeal raisins popular? So this one's an open-ended one because I feel like if I give you four options, it's just gonna give it away. I'll give you five seconds. Do, 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 do. All right, are you ready? It's Quaker Oats. I feel like if I mentioned Quaker Oats, that would have given it away. But apparently the original recipe was just an oatmeal cookie and then Quaker Oats added raisins to their cookie recipe on their packaging and that's what made oatmeal raisin cookies popular. And for that, I say fuck you Quaker Oats because I freaking hate raisins in my food, especially my cookies. So this recipe has been on their container as early as the early 1900s, which is crazy to me. But I guess that also makes sense because this cookie just tastes like history. It tastes old, like something old people would like. And other variations of oatmeal cookies include chocolate chips, which I would way rather prefer. So I definitely need to try making a recipe one day. So that is the cookie trivia and let's move into the crime question. So this one is also open-ended because if I said it, I feel like it would give it away. So we talked about familiacide, which is a type of murder or murder-suicide in which one kills multiple close family members. So what demographic carries out familicide the most? So is it male or female? And what age range? I'll give you five seconds to think about it. Do, 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 do. I feel like I'm gonna get sued for singing that song, so maybe I should come up with my own jingle or just put on like a song in the background. You know what? I'll do that instead. All right, are you ready for the answer? I feel like this one's a pretty obvious one. The people who are typically responsible for killing their families is white males in their 30s. Wow, shocker. Didn't see that one coming. So this is a study of 30 cases in Ohio. So this is relative to the United States. And also many of these crimes occur in August before school starts, which may delay detection and investigation because if they have some time before the kids start school, no one's gonna notice that the kid is missing. And I'm sure there's more studies on this, but I am really curious as to why it's white males in their 30s. And I personally think it's because 30s is still a very pivotal decade. That's where things start to really change. You don't have as much energy as you used to. Things aren't as exciting as they used to be in their 20s. Or you become more of an adult. You have more responsibilities. You have more bills. So things become more stressful and less fun. And so maybe for Watts, it was exciting to get married and to have kids, but after a while, maybe that excitement kind of dimmed down for him. He's an older man now and meeting this younger woman made it exciting again. It was like he was in his 20s again and he just wanted that feeling and that life again so bad. But also in this study done in Ohio, 
Most of the killings were motivated by a parent's desire to stop their children's suffering. So familicide and killing family members is very different from killing just random people and anonymous people. The psychology behind it is vastly different. And I think you can guess why. It's your family, they're very close to you, they get on your nerves a little bit more, they are attached at your hip, you can't ever separate from them because they're your family. In a time span of 100 years, so 1900 to 2000, there were 909 victims of mass murder in the US. Of those, more than half occurred within an immediate family. So even though familicide cases are pretty rare, they are still the most common form of mass killings. That is crazy to me. Like sure, it is pretty rare, but like why is there this desire to kill your family? Why is it happening so much more than just other types of mass murders and murders? It just really makes you think that like family can be really messed up and yet family is also the most important. And the sad thing is, according to the investigators of the Watts case, it's really hard to prevent these types of cases. Like, we just don't know how to prevent them. Because people will still fall in love, they will still start families, they will still engage in relationships. And sure, there are people and relationships where you just know something can easily go wrong. Other times, it can go undetected. So all that to say, you just never really know. And I feel that way about the Watts case. Like with this guy, you would have just never really known. I mean, I guess there is a way to prevent it now, which is just never get married and never trust men. And we are going in that direction. So maybe we will be able to see like some new statistics with that in the future. But that concludes this episode. So thank you for tuning in and give me a follow on Instagram. The handle is cookiesandcrimeofficial. If any updates ever happen, it's going to be on there. Again, this podcast is bi-weekly and I will see you guys next time. Bye! Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.